um, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 50. And as I said, spoiler alert earlier. <clears throat> you know, sometimes <clears throat> as a pastor, when you're, when you're preaching, when you're teaching, whatever, your goal is to get information out. Sometimes that is the goal. Um, but that's not the goal today. The goal is not for me to get information to you. The goal is not for me to, to, to tell a story. The goal is for there to be transformation to take place. Um, the goal is for healing to take place. And so last week we started, it's, it's a kind of a series, we'll tie them together, on beauty from ashes. And this comes from Isaiah 61 where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And it goes on down. And it says, the oil of gladness for mourning, beauty instead of ashes. And then we went into Romans chapter 8. How many were here last week? You remember? Yeah? Should we do something to wake up, wake everybody up, hit the coffee? We hit Romans 8, and we got down to verse 28, and it says, for, um, And we know that God causes all things to work together. See, y'all were here. Y'all got the key word. To work together. For the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All right? We also tagged to that Jeremiah 29 11 that says, For I know the purpose. It, it's not actually the word plan. For I know the purpose I have for you, declares the Lord. Purpose to prosper you, not to harm you. Purpose to give you hope and a future. And so when we, when we were going through this, um, it hit me a, a week or two ago. I, I shared this. I was having a conversation with someone and they were sharing some bad news that they had gotten. And they were like, man, I know the scripture. It says God causes all things to work together for good, but how is this good? I was like, it's not. There's no way you can do the math and make this good. It's not good. And he's like, that's why I don't understand the scripture. Like, how is this good? I was like, he didn't say everything is good. He said all things can be woven together to serve good for you and to serve good for our lives. And I think it's really important, even now in this season, where you, you get bad news of a sister dying way before her time. Uh, Isaac lost an, an uncle this last week, uh, or a week or two ago. So there's, you get these bad news, these bad reports, things that aren't good. And you're like, well, God, how is this good? And what generally happens in these seasons, or can happen, is we look up at God like, what gives, God? You, this isn't good for me. This isn't helping me. This doesn't make me better. And we miss the whole point that God, because he is so good, he can take the horrible things of life and he can weave them into a beautiful tapestry to where it serves the good purpose that he has for us in our lives. And so we talked about that last week. And I just want to reiterate this. All things work together for the good. Doesn't mean everything's good. I like to say it like this. Whenever bad things happen and we go through sorrow, we go through pain and suffering, that we need to feel the sorrow. We need to feel the pain. We need to feel the suffering. And I even closed that out in the sermon last week that, that we cannot know the power of Jesus' resurrection if we refuse to fellowship with the suffering of Christ. If everything was just good and everything was great, we would never know what it's like to have Holy Spirit become our comforter. Hello? Look, the Holy Spirit's a big deal. I don't know if you guys know this or not. Like, Holy Spirit is a big deal. How many would say that that's true? 
Like, we know God's a big deal, and we know they're three in one. We know, we know Jesus is a big deal. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. But Holy Spirit is such a big deal that he told his disciples, hey, I have to leave because this guy coming after me, the Holy Spirit, he needs to come here. And if I don't leave, he can't come, and you need him to come. Because everything I want to tell you right now, I can't because you don't have the Holy Spirit to process this. But when Holy Spirit comes, he will not only tell you all the truth, he will not only remind you of everything I'm telling you now, but he will release to you the kingdom. And he will become your comforter. And he will become your guide. And he says, not only that, it's the, the Holy Spirit in me is what caused me to do all these things that you honor about me. And now I'm going to leave so that he can come live inside of you. Who do you think comforted Jesus when he was on the cross? And his father turned away from him. Who do you think comforted Jesus when he's in the garden? And his best disciples, the top, not not the bottom ones that were kind of scraggling along. His best disciples couldn't even pray with him for an hour. While he's crying and he's intensely praying so bad that he's bleeding out of his out of his sweat is blood, and not just sweat, it's blood coming out of him. And he looks over at his closest friends, his favorite. And they can't even stay awake. Who do you think comforted in in those times? Who do you think comforted Jesus when he's standing before an earthly judge? (laughs) Just think about that for a second. The, The judge of the whole universe is standing before an earthly judge, and he's releasing him to be crucified. Who do you think came to Jesus in that time and comforted him? It's Holy Spirit. And so if you and I don't feel the suffering, if we don't feel the the pain of things in life and the sorrow, then we miss out on the greatest anecdote to that pain, and that's Holy Spirit. When we try to mask, when we try to cover up, when we try to fill our lives with things that, that takes away the edge of the pain, what we're really doing is we're pushing away the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he's desperately wanting to come and wrap himself around us like a blanket and hold us. You know what? It may take you one day to weep and feel better. It may take you a year. But Holy Spirit will never let you go through that whole week or whole year or whole day. However long it takes you to mourn, however long it takes you to feel the pain, Holy Spirit will not let go of you because he can't. He lives inside of you. Hello? See, he's in us for us. The first benefit of the Holy Spirit is he's in us for our benefit. He's our comforter. But then he's upon us for other people. And that's the part we talk a lot about because we believe that what we have, we need to give away to other people. And Holy Spirit does that too. The, the, the point is, you're going to have trouble. You're going to go through hardship. You're going to have things that rip your guts out. Amen? Yeah, I was, I was telling, and I'll just go here because it's a family talk, yeah? When we got the call from Nicole, you know, I knew something was wrong because the way she asked if she could call us, and I knew something was up, and I had a feeling it had to do with her sister. I never thought it was the, what the news we got. And Mandy pulls the, the blanket, literally. She's next to me in bed. She pulls the covers over, and she starts weeping. And I'm like, oh, God, what's wrong, babe? And then she told me, and then I'm, I'm weeping. And it was good for us to feel that. And I'm, I'm telling you this, Nicole. It, I know where you're at right now. It's good for you to feel, the, feel it. However you process it, it's good. Because Holy Spirit comes in, and he's the one that comforts us. And if in that season we get busy, 
And we try to do other things and we, we distract. We are good at distracting ourselves. But what we're really doing is we're missing out on the greatest hug that we could ever get in that time. And so, Cliff, let Holy Spirit hug you, hold you close till your heart feels better. He, he knows how to make us feel better. Am I telling the truth? Like, how many have ever felt really bad and you've had friends and they've given you really good advice, but it just didn't do any good? I've been around a lot of people that they got a lot of advice. Like, dude, I know what you're saying is right. It's the right thing to say, but it's making zero impact in my heart right now. Why? Because as amazing as our wife is, amazing as our friends and family are, they cannot meet the needs that God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit can meet. They just can't fully meet our needs. So we have to know when we have trouble, where do we go? To Jesus. Why? Because he overcame the world. When we have sorrow and we need comfort and we need nurturing, where do we go? We go to Holy Spirit. He's the best mom ever. He just is. Who do you call for? Even us old guys. We want our moms when we don't feel good. Am I telling the truth? I don't know why. She pulls the soup out of the can just like anyone else. But when she does it, it's better. Because moms know how to comfort. They put something special in it when they stir it. I don't know. It's called comfort. And, and Holy Spirit is that comforter. And so when you go through pain, when you go through trials, when you go through suffering, don't avoid it because it will get you later. And it'll probably manifest in an unhealthy way. It'll, it'll manifest in frustration, in anger, in addiction, um, in distance from people. And that's not ever healthy. What's the point? All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And who causes that? Holy Spirit. He does that. And so what I want to do to finish this thought out today is I want to go back through and I'm going to just go bullet point through the story of Joseph. And I want you to see the suffering that this man went through. I know you just saw some of it. I've got a longer list of bullet points than they had on there. So uh, I, I don't have the cartoon and the animation, but we, we have the bullet points. First of all, he was the 11th son of Jacob, which was Israel. He had one more son after him was Benjamin. His firstborn was Reuben. Reuben in the story is a good guy, even though he did some bad things. He was trying to do the right thing. He wanted to as the big brother. So let's go through it. He was the 11th son. In Genesis, this is Genesis 37 all the way through 50 is the story of Joseph and his dealings with Egypt and Pharaoh and all these things that happened to him. And in Genesis 37 verse 2, it tells how loyal he was to his father. He was so loyal to his father that while he was out reporting to his father about his brother's shepherding abilities, he came back and said, hey, pops, they're not running the business right. No offense, I'm not trying to be a tattletale, but that's what his brothers thought he was. He's a tattletale. Well, how else did dad know we were doing wrong things? Joseph, you little tattletale, we hate you. And that's where it started, right? He was 17 years old when this happened. Then, right after that, what does Jacob do? Makes it even worse because he makes him a beautiful coat of many colors, and he's basically telling everyone, this is my favorite son, I love him more than any of you. So now his brothers already are mad at him for tattletaling on the way they were doing business. They weren't carrying business in the name that Israel or Jacob wanted him to do it. Now, because of it and because of his relationship with his dad, he's his favorite. And everyone knows it now because everywhere he goes, he wears that stupid coat. Do you have any other clothes, Joseph? Nope. He only had one thing that he wanted to wear because he was dad's favorite, right? And then the story just goes downhill from there. If you look at it from the wrong perspective, it goes downhill. His brothers hated him, the Bible says. Then he has a dream. 
And then in, that's fine. He has a dream. No big deal. You got a dream, Joseph. Great. How many have dreams? But he had a dream where these sheaves were bowing down. All these 11 batches of sheaves were bowing down to him. And he was the, the best of all the sheaves. And that was fine for him to dream that, right? But then he made a really bad mistake. He went and told his brothers, hey, I had a dream last night. You want to know what the dream was? No, we don't. Yeah, you want to know. There were 11 sheaves, which means that was you. And there was a sheave that looked like Dan. And there was one over here was Benjamin. He's got, and then there was me. And y'all all bowed down to me. And they hated him even more for it. Like, are you kidding me? You're like the run of the family. Why would we bow down to you? But he didn't know. How many of you ever in youth made a mistake like that, right? So then he goes on. His brothers were even more mad. And they said, we will never serve you. And then let's keep going through the story. He has another dream. Now he ups the ante in this dream. Now the sun, the moon, and 11 stars are bowing down to his star. And that's fine to dream that. We're always a superhero in our dreams. Has anyone ever been a villain in your dream? Have you ever been the bad guy in your dream? No, you're always the hero that saves the day. But you don't always go around and tell everyone else that you were the villains and I was the hero, right? Am I telling the truth? He goes to his parents and to his brothers and says, hey, I had a dream. And all of y'all in the dream were represented by stars and the sun and the moon. And y'all all bowed down and you honored me. And they were like, are you saying that your mother and your father and your family are going to bow down to you? You're not the ruler of this family. But then it says his father, after he chastised him, he put it in his memory banks. He says his father put it into his memory. He remembered it. So then his brothers hated him even more. So his father rebuked him. He kept it in mind. His brothers were shepherding a flock. His father sent him out again to check on him. He knew he had to watch out for him there. They may be doing bad business again. I'm going to send Joseph because I trust him. Sends him out. As he came up to him, they started shouting out, Hey, here comes that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer who dreams dreams that make us mad. That's him. That guy way out there. And as he's coming up, they start talking about him so much they got angry. And they said, you know what? We ought to just kill him. Let's just kill him and let's just tell dad that a wild beast came and ate him. And they're like, okay, that sounds good. And Reuben's like, wait, 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 wait. Let's not kill him. He's trying to be a good brother, but let's not kill him. And so about that time, guess what happens? Joseph gets up to him, they grab him, they take his coat off, they throw him into a pit that has zero water in it, and they sat down and they ate while he's over in the pit. And they're thinking about what they're going to do. And so at that time, there were some Ishmaelites. Probably, if we take that into history, it was uh, mu- Muslims, right? I mean, if you go back, like that's what's happening. The band comes through, and they're like, hmm, instead of killing him, let's just kill an animal take the blood, smear it all over his coat, take the coat back and tell daddy's dead, but let's sell him to them, at least make some profit off of it. So they did that. They sold him into slavery. And guess what happens? He sold him into slavery to a man named Potiphar. While he's there with Potiphar, what happens to Joseph? I want you to think of something here. Why do you think he had favor with leaders everywhere he went? I personally think it's because his father reassured him of this all the time. Like he knew he had his father's approval. And when you're a son or a daughter and you have father's approval, it makes you have this confidence and this ability to serve well. You know who you are. You're not going to be compromised because you've got father's approval. You don't need anything else. And because he had father's approval, it sounds like Jesus. 
He had Father's approval. I don't need to perform. I don't need to make these stones into bread. I don't need to call fire down from heaven or angels to stop any of it. I'm, I'm content with the Father. It changes how you live. And it's a beautiful confidence that comes upon you. And Joseph carried that so much that while he's in Potiphar's care, he, he gets raised up to where he's ruling the house. He's like second in command of Potiphar's house. And he's so amazing that Potiphar's wife starts to notice him. And she makes advances after him. Now, this didn't just happen one time. Like when you read the story, you kind of think, oh, it was just one time and Joseph just ran away. No, it says day after day she made advances toward him. And day after day he refused her. And then finally she grabs him by the coat and he's running away from her. He runs out of his clothes running away from her to say no. And he's like, how could I do this to my God and to my king? He's like, he said this to her. Your husband has put me in charge of everything in this house, but he didn't put me in charge of you. And how could I dishonor him by treating him that way and doing what you're asking me to do? Look at the honor he had. And what happens to him because of it? She cries, he tried to rape me. He tried to rape me, right? And guess what? He gets thrown in a worse prison than he was, than he was in before, right? Worse prison. The king's prison. Now, I can't imagine how he felt through this season. Like, man, where are the sheaves bowing down? Where are the stars? What's going on? Yet none none of that happened. Psalm 105, verse 18 alludes to this and says that iron entered into his soul. And it's a prophetic thing also of Jesus, how how iron entered into his soul through this time. And he wasn't going to be defiled. It didn't matter. And guess what happens while he's in that prison? There's a baker and there's a cupbearer. They have dreams. And guess what? Joseph's familiar with dreams, but this time he's not telling the dreams. He's interpreting dreams in prison. And you, you get the feeling from the story that this didn't just happen a few times. He developed a reputation of knowing the interpretation of people's dreams because when the king finally, two years later after this cupbearer is out, he's set free from the prison, what Joseph said would happen happened to him. Two years later, finally, he remembers, oh, You have a a dream king and no one can tell you what it means. I remember there was this guy in prison and I had a dream and he told me the dream and it was exactly right. Well, you should go get him. So the king says, all right, bring me Joseph. Joseph comes in and not only does he tell him the dream, not only does he interpret it for him, he gives him a plan to solve the problem of the dream. The dream was that there would be seven bad years or seven good years where everything was great, had plenty of harvest the grain and all that stuff. But then it will be followed by seven really bad years. And the king's like, oh, yeah, that's what, that's, that makes sense. And then Joseph's like, hey, you need to store up in the good, in the good seven years, store away grain, store away treasure, store away um, fruit, and store, store whatever you need to, seeds and all this stuff in this time so that when the lean time comes, not only will you have food for your people, listen to this, not only will you be able to feed the people of Egypt, you'll get really rich because every nation around here that's in in the same crisis we are that didn't save up won't have anywhere to go. They will have to come to you and buy your grain and you'll become even more powerful and more wealthy. And guess what the king thought about that? I like this guy. I like the way this guy thinks. He's a shrewd, smart businessman and he's honoring. So guess what that king does? I'm going to put you second in command of my whole kingdom. And then the story goes along. Seven great years, they store away in the silos and they store grain. And then here come the seven bad years. 
And now all of a sudden, everyone around is coming to Egypt saying, hey, we don't have food, we're hungry. Can we buy grain from you? Can we buy seed from you? All this. And guess who comes to him to buy food from him? His brothers. After all this time, they didn't recognize him. But he recognized them immediately. So I want to I wanna go back here. I don't want to miss these notes here. <clears throat> Joseph's brothers, this is in, Isaiah, in Genesis 45. Joseph's brothers came to him, and guess what they did? They bowed down to him. What was the dream? They bowed. And it was sheaves, too, which is interesting. Sheaves of, of wheat and grains. They bowed down to him. And then he says to them, because Joseph says it, then he finally revealed his true identity to, identity to them. And what do you think they were? They were scared. They were afraid. Look what we did and look where he is now. He can do anything he wants to us. But Genesis 45 verse 5 says this. Do not be grieved and do not be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you so that I can preserve your life. Come on, how many of us would have answered that way? I'm like, now I'm getting you back. I've been waiting. I've been plotting. I've been twisting my mustache, plotting, waiting to get you back. And I have the perfect plan. No, none of that. He says, look, don't worry about it. Don't be angry with yourselves. I forgive you. And then he said something so powerful. God sent me ahead. He sent me ahead of you guys so that I could be in this place to actually save your life, save your family. <sighs> no selfishness, no bitterness towards, towards them. And he had every right. Did he have a right to? Absolutely. Could, should he have been able to, if he wanted to, just put them all in prison or have them killed or whatever he wanted? Yeah. And he, wouldn't have, he would have been justified in doing so, even by the law standards. I, I just like that. Even by the law, they had a right. But he chose not to. Why? Because he forgave and he loved. <sighs> he said, God sent me here. Y'all didn't send me here. He took away the power. They thought they sent him there. They thought they had done this evil thing. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're not that powerful. God did this. God let this happen so that I could be here to save you. So he told them, hurry and please go back and tell dad. Is he still alive? Yeah, go back and tell dad. He's, he remembers his dad's favorite, and he knows his dad's probably been really sad without him. Hurry and go tell dad. So when the king of Pharaoh's house heard everything that was going on in this story, he told Joseph to send for his family and then listen to the favor. He said, go get your family, go get all of your relatives, all, all of it. You bring your whole family, your whole clan here, and I will give you any place, any territory, any land in Egypt that you want. <laughs> They're coming from a place where there's famine, there's no rain, there's no crops, there's no nothing. And the king of Egypt is telling these Jewish people, come on over to our country and you can pick out any place that you want and it's yours and your family's. So they did it. They sent word to the family. He even gave them all the goods and things they needed on their travels. And when Joseph heard, he didn't believe it. When Jacob heard, he didn't believe it. But then he saw the goods that Joseph brought. And he's like, oh, my son is alive, right? The cup and the sack and all this stuff, right? Jacob said, let's go see him before I die. He's like, come on, I bet he's already packed, ready to go. Let's go. <clears throat> so God spoke to Jacob in a vision in the night and told him, don't be afraid to go to Egypt. I love that even in this, God was telling him, hey, be careful. Don't be afraid, though. Go to Egypt. 
They went to meet Joseph the next day when Joseph and Jacob saw one another. They hugged for a long time. I can just see them running to each other, hugging, hugging. It says they hugged necks, kissed necks, and held each other for a long time. Beautiful. And Jacob told Joseph, now I can die because I've seen your face. In my life, I'm happy. I'm good. I can go now because I've seen your face. So Jacob even got to meet with Pharaoh. Think about this for a second. The promise was that I will bless the whole world because of you through Abraham, right? And here's Jacob, whose name is now Israel. He gets to go before the king of Egypt, and he even blesses the king of Egypt from God. Pretty cool, right? So Jacob, it says, lived another 17 years in Egypt, and he pronounced a blessing over all of his sons, which was custom. He asked, though, don't bury me in Egypt. I want to be buried in my homeland. And so the sons said, we promise, we'll take you back to the homeland. So Jacob also uh, was able to meet Joseph's two sons. Now, while this happened, see Isaac right there, man, I love this. Y'all remember the two sons' names? Ephraim and Manasseh. And do you know what those names mean? This is Joseph. He names his sons these two things. Ephraim means, I shall be doubly fruitful. And Manasseh means, God has caused me to forget my pain. Ephraim and Manasseh. And guess what? Jacob, or Israel, gets to not only see a son again, but he gets to meet his grandsons and gets to bless them. They're sitting on his knee, the Bible says. They sat on his knee, and he took them down from the knee, and he blessed them. And the Bible says he accidentally, but he didn't, he on purpose blessed the younger instead of the older with the older blessing. He crossed hands. And he blessed, I think it was Ephraim was the younger one, and he blessed him instead of the other. And, and Joseph tried to correct him and say, no, 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 he's older. He's like, no, I, I know what I'm doing. And, and he says, even though he's older, this one's going to, to, to be greater. And, and he's going to be blessed too, but this one's going to be greater. Just a cool story. It's amazing. This is 13 chapters from Genesis 37 through 50. All this stuff happens. So after he blessed his family, then he died. And then we get to Genesis chapter 50. And I want to read some of that to you. Genesis chapter 50. And then we're going to pray. And God's going to, God's going to do something pretty cool for, for anyone that wants, it, wants him to. Genesis 50, verse 1. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his, his father. So the, fish, the, the physicians embalmed Israel. Now, 40 days were required for it, and such is the period required for the embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him for 70 days. Even the Egyptians wept and mourned this man's life for 70 days. Why? Because of Joseph. Because he served with honor. Hmm. And when the day of mourning had passed, Joseph spoke to the entire household of Pharaoh. And he says, If now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh, saying, my father made me swear, behold, I'm about to die um, in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me there. Now, therefore, please let me go and bury my father, and I will return. And Pharaoh said to him, Go and bury your father. He has made you promise. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went all the servants and elders. Uh, verse 8, And all the household of Joseph and his brothers and his father's household, they left only their little ones and their flocks and their herds in the land of Goshen. 
There also went up with him chariots and horsemen, and it was a very large company of people. And when the day came, uh, to the, when they came to the threshing floor of, of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and sorrowful lamentation. And he observed seven days of mourning for his father. Now when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning of the threshing floor, they said, this is a, this is a grievous mourning for the Egyptians. Therefore, it was named Abel Miz, Mizraim, whatever, um, which is beyond the Jordan. It means mourning, the meadow of mourning. And thus his sons did for him as he told them to. And I want to skip down. Verse 18. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. What did they say when he told them the dream? We will never serve you. We will never bow to you. They already bowed. And now they bowed again and said, We are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? They were still expecting vengeance. They were probably like, oh, great. He's trying to look good in front of dad. But now dad's gone. We're in trouble. Our goose is cooked. We are done. So they came and they were fearful again. And Joseph said, am I God that I would punish you, that I would take your life? I'm not God. I'm not in the place of God. Listen to the fear that he had for the Lord. And then verse 20. And as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many lives. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly of them. And then he dies not long after that. Think about what he said in verse, verse 20 there. What the enemy, what you meant for harm, God meant for good. And I want to declare that over your life. Even the things the enemy means for harm, God can turn it around and make it good for you. Amen to that? Hmm. Father, we love you. <laughs> I thank you for these, these true stories that we get to look at, this history, God, that gets to bring us to a perspective, a place of perspective. And so, Father, I ask right now that even in this time, I don't know what season everyone's in, but you know. And God, I ask that they would... Receive from your word here what they need for the season they're in. I ask that it would produce fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to close out with this. So if you'll stand, this is how I want to do um, the ministry time at the end. And if you want prayer, we'll be here at the front. We want to lay hands and pray for miracles and signs and wonders and for you to have a testimony next week, right? <clears throat> but I want to do one, two, three, four declarations. And the reason I do that is because... Satan is a liar. How many believe that? He's the father of, because he's been lying from the very beginning. So how does he, how does he manipulate? How does he, how does he get us away from God's call? How does he get us to miss the mark? He lies to us. And when we believe that lie, we are empowering the liar. So what we have to do, and, and this will be something that's part of what we do from now on, we have to expose the lie break agreement with the lie and find what the truth is and come into agreement with the truth because we shall know the truth and the truth will make us free but if i'm believing a lie about god and i declare the truth i'm seeing through faulty lenses and i'm hearing through faulty hearing 
Are you, listen to me. We can say the word of the Lord. We can see, read it. We can hear it all we want. But if there are lies that we believe about God concerning those things, it will be filtered through our lie and the truth will not fully manifest in our life. So we have to break agreement with the lies. All right? So the first one, I'm going to read it to you before because if, I want, if you agree with this, I want you to say it in a moment. The first one is, I will not defile or shortcut God's, God's purpose for my life by living from self-will and human wisdom. All right? And so the lie is that I can do this on my own. All right? So if you want to say this first one with me, I will not defile or short-circuit God's purpose for my life by living from self-will or human wisdom. Okay, that's breaking agreement right now. Now what are we going to what are we going to do? And here's the the solution to that. Say this with me. I choose to trust God and I know that he causes all things to work for my good. Amen. The second one I will not take vengeance into my own hands or repay evil with evil. Oh, (laughs) you say that with me. I will not take vengeance into my own hands or repay evil with evil. So what will we do? I choose to honor God as the judge and I trust him to take good care of me. Doesn't that feel good? He's our defender. He's our hiding place. Next one. I will not bow down in fear to any situation or mountain that I may face. Are you ready? I will not bow down in fear to any situation or mountain that I may face. What will I do? God is love. And his love is so powerful that even what the enemy means for harm can be repurposed for my good. Therefore, I choose to fear the Lord. Amen. Last one. And this is where we'll we'll minister in just a moment. I'm going to read it first. I declare that God has also given me an Ephraim because he will cause me to be doubly fruitful. And he's given me a Manasseh because he's caused me to forget my pain. And I, I want to say this. When I was writing that one, I'd already had this ready. And then I went in and added that one last night. I felt something on it. And I, I, would, I would love for the Lord to manifest breakthrough in our lives with an Ephraim and a Manasseh. This is now you're going to be doubly fruitful. And you're going to forget the sorrow and the pain you've been through to get to this point. And so if you want that, say this with me. I declare that God has also given me an Ephraim because he will cause me to be doubly fruitful and a Manasseh because he has caused me to forget my pain and sorrow. Why don't you close your eyes? Father, we say yes to this right now. I ask that everyone in this room, those listening to the podcast, those connected to the bridge in any way, God, would give birth to an Ephraim and a Manasseh in their life, that they will see new fruitfulness 
and that they will forget the sorrow and the pain that's brought them to this point. Hmm. close with this i want you to pray where you're at just a new prayer of of surrender to god of trust in him um whatever words you want just right where you're at and we'll close service this way if you want prayer i'll be here at the front but just take 30 seconds a minute two minutes and just rededicate your trust to the lord all right